Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Welcome back here to Nerds from the Crypt. This is the podcast where we review your favorite and not so favorite horror movies and interview creators about their ongoing and upcoming Kickstarter projects. We're going to be bringing back two creators that we've actually talked to well mid last year. Now they're going to be talking to us together. DW Khan and Mike Shea. How are you all doing today? Excellent, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Hey, how are you, Guys, it's it's awesome to, to to be able to hear from from both of y'all. We talked to to Mike about I can, I always mispronounce this the, the name <laughs> of the Miskatonic. Hi. You got um, it. We we were talking about Ish 2 mm-hmm. there. You're barely starting off the that that series. Fast forward to to this year. I've seen so many different um, Kickstarters for it. What right. issue are you on at this point? Right now, I'm just doing fulfillment on issue number eight. And let me see, wow. I've <laughs> just finished the script for number thirteen. And Ryan Mendoza, who's the artist, is just finishing up the art for issue twelve. So yeah, we, we work very fast, and uh, we get them up on Kickstarter very fast. <laughs> I felt I was like, man, what did I miss? Uh, all, all of a sudden, the, they were up to like a seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I missed like, like two or couple, uh, two or three of them now. Well, the, yeah, and you know, and we hate when we hate when that happens. So we never ever, you know, sell back issues so people can get caught up because we just hate it when people know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else have you been up to since since then? Uh, you know, been doing a lot of that. Been uh, so uh, working with Dave on the on the crossover. We're actually kicking around the idea of doing like an annual. So, uh, what our basic thing is, we want to just have fun with this comic. We want to have fun with putting things out there. So, one of the ideas we're kicking around now is kind of just doing a crazy story and inviting some other creators to come in and and sort of play around with some backup stories and things like that. So, you know, it's just it's nonstop fun here because you know outside these four walls, you know, the world is burning. So, yeah, Dave, let's catch up with you here. Um, last time we talked to you, we were we were doing uh, Lovecraft PI, the curious case of the Reanimator. What have you been up to since then? Um, well, we don't have the output as much as Mike does, uh, unfortunately. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we've been actually working on it. We have another series that we're working on now uh, called Berserkers, which it's an eight-issue series we've been uh, slowly kind of um, plotting through for the last couple of years. And we're wrapping up um, issue seven now, and we're going to finish up eight uh by the beginning of next year. And as soon as we're done with that, we're going to launch a, a Kickstarter and just start running those issues um, every couple of months. So uh, our whole goal is just to, we want to kind of keep ahead of all that stuff on Kickstarter so that everything's ready to go, you know, when we do launch and nobody's waiting on us. Yeah. I was going to say, I've been, I've been noticing that's been more of a, the trend lately where uh, instead of funding individual issues, the issues are already done and they're just like, let's go ahead and just do one by one, but we already have things lined up. Well, I think it's, you know, at least in, on the creative aspect, because I deal with a lot of uh, you know, facets dealing with uh, dark side, and so to stay on the creative side for a while to get all that stuff done, I think is very important. As opposed to kind of, you know, having to write, get the guys ready to go, then start to launch. You know, a Kickstarter, then your mind's going there, where you're, you're kind of taken away from the creative aspect, and then you have to go bounce back and forth. To me, it's great once you get the product done. And then you could just concentrate, you know, on the launch and on the campaign for 30 days because it's, you know, Kickstarter is, as Mike can contest to, it's it's hard. It's a it's a bit of a grind once you get going, and um, even if you do it a lot or a little, there's it changes constantly, and um, the audience changes a lot, and also just the way social media is. So it's it's trying to just 
stay make sure you stay adapt to that as well as you know very focused on that so you're not you're you're not being taken away to do other things now not to say that i'm not not doing other creative aspects of things but i just feel like you know the stories themselves and, and just making sure everybody's you know mm-hmm. doing their job and making sure you turn it out good quality is i think it's good to focus on that first and then you know, then switch over to the marketing aspect. At least, you know, since we're you know, both Mike and I do this stuff primarily by ourselves. So, you know, when you're the one man band, you have you have to wear a lot of hats. And I think the uh, the audience prefers that as well because they know that you were in advance already have the story thought out there. You're pretty much already set up to go, and they don't have to be worrying about when is the next one going to come out. It's going to come out pretty soon. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, cause, you know, the, we learned that lesson the hard way on a shot in the dark, which took us four years to complete. And, um, yeah, I just never want to do that again. So, you know, with the curious case, we did that, um, with these books, we're doing that. And we're also, I've been working on other, uh, stories with Lovecraft PI and we're doing an offshoot called the, uh, Miskatonic Supernatural Detective Agency, which is the agency that he works for. So we're coming up with stories for that, um, agency as well, which, uh, broadens the scope of Lovecraft PI and kind of gets it out there. Uh, in a different way and introducing new characters that will kind of bounce back and forth into the Lovecraft PI world. Let's catch the audience up on what's been going on on the series. You can go first, Mike. Okay. Yeah. So Miskatonic High is, uh, we describe it as five kids take on Lovecraft monsters in their small town high school and they just don't know which one is worse. Um, <laughs> it's It's really high school comedy mixed with Lovecraft horror. And, you know, the way we always look at it is, you know, Lovecraft horror is, for those people who don't know, it's basically monsters and cosmic entities and all these things that are just destroying humanity and don't care about humanity in the slightest. And, you know, you don't mean anything to them at all. And, you know, that sounds exactly like high school to us. So we thought that would be a great mix is just shove those two things together. Um, So we've done, gosh, eight issues so far, you know, really introduced our kids, you know, introduced our town said, you know, kind of pointed to some of the terrible things that have been happening there that have affected the kids and the kids' families in the past and, you know, <laughs> really mixed it with some with some uh, teenage comedy that we like. You know, we had a kid running for uh, high school class president and all the kids called him, called him, uh, or he, he uh, put up these posters that said, you know, vote Simon, exclamation point, and the kids turned the exclamation point into something that, you know, I probably shouldn't talk about. Um, and so, and so he became, he decided just run as president Dick. And so, yeah, so again, that's the kind of thing that we do is, you know, we just try and, and, and keep it fun, but also, you know, there's a lot of horror to it. We had, you know, the, the deep ones from, from Innsmouth just made an appearance. We've had some rat things. Um, so yeah, we've, uh, we, we, we have fun on our, on our comic. How about you, Dave? Catch us up on Lovecraft BI. Yeah, so uh, right now with the Curious Case takes place in 1932, and uh, Ward Lovecraft uh, is a agent for the Miskatonic uh, Supernatural Detective Agency, and he, um, he, you know, he goes after these cosmic entities uh, on his own, uh, you know, with the agency behind him, and he studies everything from, you know, ghosts to you know the werewolves to, you know, cosmic monsters to Cthulhu, um, and with the Curious Case of Reanimator, is he kind of he ends up actually meeting up with an old old friend from back in the day, uh, Dr. Herbert West, who they both ended up going to school together. And, uh, you know, through, you know, several experimentations that went uh, wrong, they ended up uh, splitting and uh, during World War One. So we have 
Herbert, who ends up staying in the medical field, and then Ward, who ends up getting into artillery, and uh, they meet 15 years after that, and that's where this book takes place. And obviously, they're not very, very good friends anymore at this point. So, and the one thing with Herbert West in the book is that he's got a very, um, a, a very unique, uh, you know, blood type, and so does uh, Lovecraft. So, in order for him to uh, maintain some type of, you know, physical form, because in the beginning of the book he is invisible, he ends up um, abducting Ward and, uh, you know, draining him of blood and so on and so forth, so he can kind of come back and um, feel whole again, so to speak, and then. They, they, they're basically the arch enemy. I mean, they go after each other constantly. I have uh, other stories in the, you know, that uh, take place in the twenties and in the forties where they're always kind of at each other's throats. So it'd be fun once we start putting those out uh, in comic form and also dime novel form because I think he's he's the Moriarty to uh, Lovecraft, uh, Sherlock Holmes type character. Did you all know each other before this? Did you all meet after you all started releasing your your project? How did you all uh, end up uh, getting together to decide to to do this crossover? Yeah, uh, so I think Dave was releasing Curious Case of Reanimator on Kickstarter, and he invited me to take an early look at it. And when I took a look at it, oh my God, I can't tell you, I was blown away by what I saw. So A, uh, Daniel's artwork on it is beautiful. If you love dark mm -hmm. Lovecraft, you know, mixed with film noir, it it just looks so cool. And then I was I was reading it, and I was like, so my thing on Lovecraft is Lovecraft's been out for a long time and, and I don't have a problem with people who are doing new versions of Lovecraft, you know, that are exactly the same thing, you know, doing, um, you know, uh, sort of these dark tales. But what, what really drives me and what I like and what I really respond to is when somebody takes those ideas and takes them in a different direction. And the thing that I really loved about Lovecraft PI was it took the best of Lovecraft you know, these monsters, this this dark universe, and put it together with dark film noir and, you know, this dark detective, this hard-nosed detective. And it was just such a great mix and it turned it into something new and it was fun and inventive. And I responded to it, you know, just like that. And so, yeah, so, I, you know, I saw it and I told him, you know, I thought it was amazing. I was blown away by it. And we just started talking from there and, you know, he saw what we were doing and we started talking and I can't remember whose idea it was to do the, the crossover, but one of us suggested and the other one responded right away. And it was like that. We were off. <laughs> well, thanks Mike. I appreciate that. Uh, that's <laughs> high, high praise coming for you, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. For, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, starting out with Lovecraft PI, we wanted to do a um, total film noir, have fun with it you know, back to the old nostalgia of like, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, James Bond, that type of aspect of, you know, going after the monsters and, and just you're smoking cigarettes, drinking booze and having a good time doing it. You know, there's nothing really <laughs> other than your whole job is literally just to stop a creature. It's, it has nothing else to do with and just, you know, deal with the people at hand that come at you. And coming across Mike's, uh, you know, stuff on, on Kickstarter, it really, Athlete in the Curious Case was a very dark book to write to begin with. and. So I wanted to have a lot more fun. And when I came across Mike's stuff on uh, Kickstarter, it just reminded me of like, oh, Lovecraft, this could be a lot of fun. This reminds me of like the old Scooby-Doo's from the 70s. You know, it's like the kids are on the kids are on a, a case. They deal with the old man dressed up in the mask and so on and so forth. And, and to me, that seemed like a blast. And, and, and growing up in that stuff as a kid, I always loved when they had Batman show up or, you know, any, you know, guest 
cartoon guest of the week. And I figured, oh, what the hell? That'd be a great idea to have, you know, Lovecraft, who's, Ward Lovecraft, who's, a, you know, just a hard-nosed, booze-riddled, smoking detective, meet, getting up, getting together with these kids, you know, who are, you know, from, from the year, you know, 2018. So, and what would that do? And one of the things that um, I had always wanted to do with this character anyways is to, you know, send him off to universes, send him to parallel universes back and forth in time. And for me to do that internally, it, it would take us, you know, a couple more books. Whereas if I could do, if I could work with Mike and we're able to come up with a, a, a cool little crossover, it can happen instantaneously, you know, um, in, in a much shorter amount of time. And I just thought that the two dynamics, the way, um, uh, you know, the, the stuff that Mike writes, you know, with, with these kids is just very fun. Um, and I enjoy reading the stories because it just, I think, I mean, I do a lot of uh, new comic reading to begin with, but it, it, this kind of reminded me of as a kid, just like something I would have really, really enjoyed as a child or, you know, or as a teenager. And because um, I did love Lovecraft and I also, you know, we, we all were kids once. And just to, just to kind of follow that little track of how these kids would react to monsters in a modern age. And that's why I like all the little characters, too, because they all have their own personalities. I think Mike does a really great job with that, as well as uh, Ryan with um, capturing those little nuances for each of the characters, giving them their own little personality just within the artwork. So um, when we when it came to time to about the crossover, um, one of us had suggested, hey, this would be, a, you know, I think a really kind of a cool idea and just an experiment, if nothing else. And. And again, I don't really follow much of what's going on in the comic world um, until recently, but just for, especially with the independent world. But to have a crossover between two independents, I think, is just kind of unique in itself. And um, and and as well as just staying within the family of um, H.P. Lovecraft's world. So for me, it was just it's just a blast to have you know my character and, and his characters try to get together and see what the heck happens because you know, it's an 86 year difference between, you know, when, when you leave off my character in 1932 and then show up in 2018. So a lot can happen. I never thought of these two crossing, but when I send this out, I'm like, it makes sense. Like, even though that the, the tone is, is so different, I can see this. Is, um, and, and you tell me if I, if I'm a little off base there with, it's like Hopper and the, and the kids from and stranger things. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. That's funny that you mentioned that. I, I never even thought about that until you just said it, but yeah, completely. I mean, I think it's, you have that kind of, uh, you know, fatherly figure that's over them, but not being the fatherly figure. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's guiding these kids and helping them out, but they're also helping him out, too. You know? Right. I think I think that's one of the reasons that it was a good idea that we had Ward come to the future first. So Ward is like really capable. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he, he goes into the swamps of Louisiana. He takes out the cults. You know, he deal, he goes into Innsmouth. He takes out the, the deep ones. I mean, he's a capable paranormal investigator you know and he could probably handle most of the things himself so what the what we did was by bringing him to 2018 you know we're giving him cell phones which he doesn't understand we're you know we're putting him in cars that he can't possibly fathom you know all these things we take we make him the fish out of the water for the first one and it really lightens the mood and it explains why he would need help you know, from these kids, you know, because he's now this fish out of water in this world where he's like, what the F is going on here? And, you know, so, you know, the the girl with the cell phone who can explain what Siri is, you know, suddenly makes a lot more sense. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing with Ward, too, is he's extremely adaptable. And so he's not pitching a fit every five minutes if he can't figure something out. Or he just kind of, 
I mean, I, I really based him a lot off of um, the Continental Op and, and Humphrey Bogart. You know, mm-hmm. two characters that just they given a mission, they'll they'll carry it through, and it doesn't matter like what happens in the periphery of of you know the setting. But they, that's ultimately their goal is just to, to 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 you know wrap up that mission and move on to the next one. You know, and so him and the kids, I think it's great because they're all over the place. You know, and then he's just like, no, listen, guys, we just got to stay on target, and then they try to. You know, in both books, they they try to emulate him in, in certain ways, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But it's you know, then he he's even surprised by some of the stuff that they they've acquired uh, knowledge because of previous issues that uh, Mike has done, um, which you know, would get more into by uh, you know in the second uh, part. So that's what's kind of nice too is that because we're both keeping this stuff in, in within our own canon. Um, we can reflect back on previous things that have happened. So that really kind of helps these characters. This isn't just like a, just a one-off two-part where neither one of them knows their own backgrounds. It's like everything's literally from canon. So it's, uh, it's all that knowledge kind of carried forth. And I think that's very important. Yeah. And, you know, so we, when we had talked about it, what we had talked about was sort of satisfying those two goals of making it both an introduction for new readers, you know, that that someone who had never read Lovecraft PI, but had read Miskatonic High, could pick it up and just roll with it. Didn't need to go back and read all of the Lovecraft PI books. You know, same same idea. Somebody who read Lovecraft PI or somebody who actually hasn't read either one of our series could just sort of pick it up and go from it. But you also want to satisfy, you know, the hardcore readers, the hardcore followers, the people who are really into these characters. You know, so we want to to add things from the character to make it important to the characters, you know, that they're on this. And you know, Dave and I talked about this. One of the the reasons, again, that I, I really like his work and the things that I responded to when I was reading Curious Case of Reanimator was there's depth to his Ward Lovecraft that I really like. You know, when he talks about his experiences during World War One, they they left a scar, which is very cool. And then how he handles these strange monsters, you know, most comics that deal with this stuff, people who come across strange monsters, see them as monsters, they run away screaming or they get, you know, they grab their shotgun and start shooting. But, but Dave's ward is different. He sees them as individuals. He sees them as sort of people. He knows that there's this strange universe out there and not everything is just a monster to be shot. And that's something that I really responded to. And when we were talking about doing this, said that that's something that I really wanted to bring into the character, both in the first issue of the crossover and the second issue of the crossover. And, you know, so again, don't make it just a simple story, you know, for the people who haven't read anything, but give it some depth, give it some character. So the people who really like these comics are going to find the characters that they really like in there. What information off the first issue are you both comfortable sharing as far as what we can expect from this specific issue other than what what we've already talked about? I think we can talk about most of it. Just don't spoil the ending, I guess. So as far as Ward, how did y'all decide what would be the best way to to bring them into the future? Uh, I think when we talked about it, at first, uh, we both talked about time travel because we both have time travel in our series. Um, you know, we, we do it a little bit more predominantly than he does, I think. But so we were talking about, you know, having the kids go back, you know, through time travel and all this. And 
we like that idea, but then also, you know, how do you get him to the future first? And so I can't remember where it came well, from, but it, it's I mean, definitely. Us, we, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I mean, for us, it was one of those things that we hadn't really, you know, the, his his time traveling stuff is very much in the background of we were going to get to it eventually. So I think for us, it, the easiest thing was to have Ward, you know, on the hunt for this creature that he had to contend with, and then just ends up, you know, getting melding with this creature and getting stuck with it for eighty eighty something years, you know. And to me, I think it's hysterical where you know th- this first issue you know opens up where they they find him in a barn. You know, just frozen at time where he's been hanging out in this barn for God knows how long. Somebody put him out there. And it's just kind of, it's a little bizarre because it's like, well, wouldn't you call the cops? It's like, why this dude and this creature is melded together and hanging out in this barn for 80 something years. But to me, it's so, it, it, it still fits within the confines of how ludicrous the whole world is, anyways, that both of both, both Mike and I have created, you know, where you're in amongst all these creatures. It's like, yeah, sure. For whatever reason, that works. And so once the kids kind of, once the kids free him, I think that's, you know, uh, it's, it's, it, he's, he's still on the mission. Ward is still on the mission, you know, cause even though he's been frozen for eight, six years, he's still, once he wakes up, he's like, oh shit, this is what I got to do. You know, um, this thing is still with me, you know? So he hasn't really had time to, um, adapt to the future where he's at. He's just, he's again, he's still a mission guy. Whereas the kids on the other hand, you know, are playing with his hat or goofing around, playing with a gun, so on and so forth. And they take it a little bit more in stride. And what I like about that, too, is that they've already, you know, they've had seven or eight issues where they've already had to contend with a lot of these creatures. So they're almost, you know, they're basically on the same wavelength as um, as Ward in a lot of ways, you know, mental-wise, dealing with these uh, monsters, except they're just they're adolescents. So they, you know, they handle things in their own way because of just the age difference, which I think is a lot of fun. You know, but they are, they are all old souls, I guess, by this point. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, bringing Ward forward... We had to find a cool way to do it. And, you know, the, it's somewhat of a Star Wars reference that most people will get. But also, you know, we it really goes to the monster design. And so, you know, Ryan and I worked on that. You know, Dave and I worked on that. You know, Daniel worked on it some. You know, the idea of what these monsters are and how they operate. And the idea is, you know, it's a thing that came from a, a cosmic thing that came from outer space. And it probably came as a meteor so it can turn into rock and so once we sort of had that concept it's like okay it can turn into rock so why couldn't it take something with it and turn it into rock and you and that's sort of you know once we had that idea we were like okay yep we know exactly how wards get into the future and i think you already you, you already answered a little bit of this the uh crossover will continue to be in canon so what does this mean for each of the series after they eventually split again? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't really go into too much because it'll give, it'll give too much away by uh, the first and second issue. But all I could say is that, uh, you know, Ward's going Ward's gonna to find himself in a different predicament by the end of the second issue. So, and, uh, and it, it opens up a whole uh, can of stories that I had been wanting to tell from a, from a while back. Uh, you know, based off an early HP uh, story that I had read years and years ago. And I hate to be so cagey because I don't want to give that away either. <laughs> you know? No, no, you're, you're, you're perfect. As I said, whatever you're, yeah. you're comfortable releasing, yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's right. But it's just it's one of those stories that you read and you're going, ah, this is the key. This 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 kind of adds, mm-hmm. you know, puts it all kind of together. And so having that story in the back of my head and then applying, you know, the ideas of that to what Mike and I were doing with this and then from where it goes beyond that, it's cool. It's, it's actually sent me in a different direction as opposed to where I was going to go with the Wilcox experiment, which is our next book. So um, that'll still be the next one for us within the, you know, within our own um, title. But it changes the dynamic of the story and how it would have gone if I hadn't done this. So I, that's what's exciting for me is now it's it's opened up a, a whole bigger universe for Lovecraft BI and where it's going to take Ward. And you never know. I mean, it's it, it, all I was going to say is the other thing, too, is that Mike and I want to keep kind of doing this as well and see what happens, you know, after this. Both these, these copies come out and see how they're, you know, how everybody digs them. But we definitely want to have these guys all get back together again at some point. Does that mean that you were already starting the the, the next book for the for Lovecraft PI, and then you kind of had to change things up, or more like the script uh, changed up a little bit more after you did this uh, crossover? Well, I had the I had an outline and a and a script um, more or less finished for the Wilcox, but there was a couple of things uh, that were missing that I just felt it needed some more juice. And when the crossover came, it just kind of it was a perfect out for me to kind of you know rethink everything. And now that this mm-hmm. is canon. It, it gives it gives Ward that knowledge that he didn't have before. You know, he you know before he he didn't he wasn't going to the future. Now that he has gone to the future and has seen it, it's like okay, how would that how would that, how how would that character handle that now, knowing that he's got that knowledge? But also, you know, being frozen for eighty six years, what does that do to you mentally? You know, so there's a lot of that type of stuff that I want to play with. Um, you know, that goes that will go into the Wilcox experiment on top of what we already have. So. And that, that book is probably going to be bigger than the, than the last. And we're looking at multiple artists to, um, to, to take different parts, uh, portions of that because of the, it's a very globe, uh, globe trotting type of, uh, story. So we want to make sure that everything is kind of looks slightly different. So wherever he lands, you know, it, it, it kind of accentuates that a little bit. Plus, otherwise Daniel would probably kill me because it'd be, you know, <laughs> <in> your, <laughs> but how about for your, your series, Mike? Sure. So for us, we sort of go in the opposite direction. So the way that it affects us is it affects some of our characters. So I mentioned before about how Ward sort of sees these these monsters and things almost as people. And there's an interaction that he has with one of the characters from from our series. And he sort of establishes a bond with her and sort of leaves her with a possible solution to some of the, the the crappy situations that she's dealing with. And it's how, how that's going to work and how she's going to respond to that and how she's going to deal with that. And is that going to help her? Is it not going to help her? Is it, you know, a wild goose chase? So um, to sort of date myself, there was a crossover way back when. And so whenever anybody talks to me about crossovers, I always think back to my, my, kid days of reading X-Men and Fantastic Four. And there was mm-hmm. one where they crossed over where it was X-Men versus the Fantastic Four. And so it could have been just this throwaway thing where, you know, they fight, they realize that they're both heroes and then they go away. But instead it was, it was written by Chris Claremont, you know, the X-Men writer at the time. And what he did instead was he dealt with one character who was going through this sort of deep psychological problem of, you know, she's dying and her friends have to turn to the worst person on earth to save her. And, you know, it's her choice. Does she go through with that, putting her friends, uh, 
in his debt or does she kill herself, you know, so that they don't have to, you know, take away the decision for them. And it was this thing, you know, I was probably, you know, 11 at the time and it was like, oh my goodness. Um, And it really left a big impact. And so when we were talking about doing a crossover, one of the things that I thought about was, you know, look, if I'm going to do it, I want to have my characters be affected by it, not just, hey, this is an adventure that happens and then everything goes back to perfectly normal, you know, have consequence to this. That, And so, you know, there is psychological psychological consequence to meeting with Ward and dealing with Ward and Ward's perspective on hunting monsters and killing monsters and dealing with monsters. So, yeah, so it was something that, you know, I, I saw this as an opportunity to do something different. And so, you know, after Dave and I had talked for a bit, I went to Ryan, who's the co-creator, and he helps me plot it and all sorts of stuff and said, hey, you know, is this something that you want to do? And he's like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Let's do it. You know, and when he responded like that, I knew we we had a good idea going forward. And so, you know, just jumped into it whole whole hog. Is there anything in the process um, of doing the crossover that uh, that I might have looked over here before we get into the Kickstarter? One thing that I just wanted to talk about was, you know, for fans of either series, the the way we kind of treated it was by splitting it in half. We sort of split it between the two series. So, like, the first issue, you know, we have Ryan who does the art on Miskatonic High, does the art for that whole issue. And it's set in Miskatonic miskatonic high time so in 2018 you know and it and it deals with it in our location and then the second one they go to lovecraft pi time in a lovecraft pi location and it's drawn by daniel who does the art for lovecraft pi so we really wanted to treat it like you're going from one series to another one almost like you know a, a crossover on you know the flash and the cw shows where you're going from one show and then you go to the next show and they feel like you're going to that other show was that dark from the beginning? Was that you were going to retain the the artwork of the original comic, or did you all decide that later on? How did that come around? That was pretty early on. We decided to do that. I think. Um, I mean, it just made sense to us. And mm-hmm. you know, and what Mike was saying earlier about having Ward come to the future first, it just it, that that between him coming to the future first and then also being the artwork of being completely different, I think is just you know a perfect way to begin that series. Um, you know, because it's, it's something, you know, my fans have not seen before and neither has um, Mike's fans on, on vice versa. So I think it's kind of nice to suddenly say something that strikingly different. And so then when you go back mm-hmm. uh, into Lovecraft's world, now you're now you're seeing Daniel's version, you know, which is like, oh, OK, here we are again in this version, in this world and and, and seeing how that's played out. And one of the things I was going to say, too, earlier was just for timeline's sake, since we are keeping this stuff canon, at least for Lovecraft purpose. On our end, um, this crossover takes place about six months after the end of the Curious Case. So it's still within the same time, you know, same year. It just takes place, you know, 1932 in July. Um, so that's what's kind of interesting, too. So I do throw a couple little Easter eggs in there, um, you know, that people will find either in the first or second issue that go back to a couple of mentions in uh, the Curious Case. So we try to I always try to throw those little little bits in there as well to keep it interesting. Yeah. And I remember when we were kicking it around, we talked about, you know, the second issue was interesting because we were going back in time. And and as a history buff, you know, I responded to a lot of that stuff in the Curious Case of Reanimator, you know, again, the the World War One vet, things like that. And, you know, around 1932 and, 
you know, when we were talking about it, putting those two things together and at the time, 1932, we got, you know, the, the Great Depression, you know, it's it's a terrible time. And one thing that happened was these World War One vets all descended on Washington, D.C. And it, it was called the Bonus Army. You know, they set up tents. They sent up this, you know, this whole protest in Washington, D.C. to demand, you know, money from the government that the government said they were going to pay them. And the government ended up sending in like General Patton with tanks to run these guys off. And, you know, putting that together with Ward, who was a World War One vet, it was like, oh, man, that, you know, when we were talking about that, that, that idea just appealed to me so much. And so I was so excited when, when Dave and I were talking about that, that we could actually show that. And it, it's like Dave talked about, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting into the second issue now, but because he's been sending me the art for it from Daniel. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, when you see Indiana Jones and he's running around, he's riding a horse and then suddenly he jumps on a Nazi tank and now he's driving the tank and then he's jumping on the Nazi motorcycle and now he's driving the motorcycle and, you know, he's having adventures on that. That is literally what our the second issue looks like. It is. It looks so good. I can't wait for people to see that one. Thanks, did, um, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just said thanks. I mean, the, the other thing I was going to just say about the Bonus Army and all that too, with with uh, you know, with Lovecraft being the character who he is in that that time period. You know, he he fought World War One. You know, my character fought in World War One, but he also is he's he's not a federal agent. He's he's an agent to an agency that's you know kind of the underlining you know, darker aspects of the government that they may or may not know about. But because he's got the fedora and the trench coat, you know, the bonus army, some of the characters in that think that he's a fed and don't trust him. So what's kind of nice is other than, you know, so you've got this whole monster thing going on and then all of a sudden now he's going to negotiate with, you know, fellow soldiers that have, may or may not have potentially fought in the same battles that he did, you know, um, 15 years earlier. So that was fun. Just, get, you know, kind of diving more into his background as well, um, as opposed to just, you know, just the character just running around doing this, that, and the other thing. So, you know, creating that human aspect of him amongst the kids, with the kids, and having a lot of fun with them, but then also, you know, having to deal with some, some, you know, actual conflict during that time period, I think is interesting is, you know, part of the story. Yeah, I, to sort of jump on that, one of the things that I, I really liked about the way that we worked together was that we were able to sort of get all of those different pieces in. You know, again, most people see see a crossover, they think, okay, it's going to be one, you know, long fist fight between these two, you know, superhero characters. And, you know, when, when we approached it, we really approached it as, yeah, we're going to have a, we're going to have a kick-ass monster. We're going to have a fun, twisty time travel story. We're going to have character development of characters you actually like, but we're also going to introduce them for people who don't know. We just, we really wanted to do this fun story, you know, uh, we had done eight issues. We were embroiled in our mythos and all that. So we were looking for a break to do something really fun. And I, I, I don't want to speak for Dave, but I get the impression that he was sort of in the same place after Curious Case. And so he was looking for something a lot more fun to do. And so this came along and it was just the perfect thing to do at the right time for us, you know, to do this really fun story you know, with a lot of action beats, but also, you know, some fun ideas, some fun monsters, some good character stuff. And it changes the characters in fun ways that I think readers of both series are really going to like, you know, I'm just really proud of the way that this crossover came together for us. Yeah, me too. Me too. We talked about the, the artwork staying based on what, what world they're in. What did it feel like to see your character in a different art style? 
I got to say, it was very disconcerting the first time I saw it. It's like, wait a minute. Oh, she's got pink hair. Okay, yeah, that's okay then. Um, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was so cool because, you know, again, I'm kind of glad we came at it when we did after we, you know, had put out eight issues and actually we we had done a few more that we haven't put out. You know, by that point, you sort of know who your characters are. You really get a sense of who they are. You, you've you seen Ryan draw them for, you know, 200 something pages now. So, you know exactly what they look like. So, it's kind of a great time to bring on a fresh voice and a fresh visual perspective, you know, to have, have Dave sort of write them, you know, and see how somebody else views them and writes them. And then to see how Daniel draws them and how they look a little bit different, but they're still really the same characters. It just, it's, it's such a breath of fresh air. It's like a new way to see them. It was, it was so cool. It's jarring, but it's cool at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. I mean, it was definitely the first time I saw it. I was like, wow, okay. Because, you know, I've seen Daniel draw, seen Daniel draw, you know, Ward for years at this point. So it's, um, I completely get where Mike's coming from. But also the exciting aspect of it was, again, going back to the old Scooby-Doo's, it just, that, that's embedded in my, my, my young DNA as a kid. So seeing that was just so exciting to see a character, these two character uh, these two t- two types of characters kind of getting together in- into this whole new universe, and and, and for me personally, just you know, as a writer and creator, it's one of those things that you know when you're throwing your character off a cliff and see where he's going to land in somebody else's work, and then to and then to be very uh, satisfied with how that comes out, but also it gives you even more of a boost creatively to build your character in a in a in a different direction than where maybe you had thought of before, so. Creatively, I think it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, and you know, um, I can't wait to see where, where it's going to go from here, you know, with with both of our IPs. Mm-hmm. How about for your respective artists? How did they how did they react when they first saw the, the opposite of the, the alternates? Uh, so I, I, I remember showing the art to Ryan, and, and I think he was a, a very similar reaction. I remember him emailing saying how cool it was to see somebody else draw them. And, you know, uh, it's tough to say, you know, because, you know, when you're an artist, you're so used to the mm-hmm. nuance of how exactly you draw their hair and how exactly you draw their nose and how exactly you draw, you know, all their little ticks and things like that to, to see somebody else do it and do it in their style. I, I think you, you have to be able to sort of let go and just say, mm-hmm. oh, that looks really cool, you know, because otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah, exactly. And, and Daniel, I feel is the same way. I mean, you know, again, it's you're so used to drawing the same character. They're so used to drawing these same characters to so see somebody else's kind of eye and take on it is, is interesting, you know? Um, and I like the fact too, that the styles are very different, you mm-hmm. know, uh, where you're not looking at both these issues going, Oh, they're, you know, they're done by two, two different guys. They look kind of the same. It's like not, you don't get that at all. Cause <laughs> at least for, um, for the second issue too, is I wanted to, uh, Damien, who's our colorist. I wanted to have him go in there and do a lot of stuff where it looks like an old, you know, uh, funnies out of the newspaper from the 70s it's got you know everything's you know desaturated a bit it's got that kind of old it's colored the whole book's colored but it has that old kind of feel to it you know and Mm -hmm. with um you know with mike and ryan doing it with their their colors being very vibrant i just thought it was kind of a nice way to just offset the you know the work even just a little bit more you know 
Right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's one of those things where the, the vibe is very different between the two books and the art really responds to that. You know, we've, we've been compared to Archie a number of times and we've been compared to <laughs> a number of times. And, you know, so we, we sort of have that sort of lighter feel to it, you know, but at the same time, be able to bring monsters into it and things like that. And so, you know, the first issue really has that feel where it's, you know, it's got that light tone to it but it's also got monsters and terrible things happen you know we see a monster rip apart a cow um you know yeah, so, i was gonna say that looks pretty cool <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um yeah you know better the cow than some other things so you know might turn a few of our of our characters into vegetarians after that um but you know so then you know but that really responds to the way sort of i write the the stories and the way Ryan then responds to that writing. And, you know, again, when we were talking about who was going to do what, the nice thing was to turn over the second part to, to Dave and, and Daniel, because, you know, when, when I read um, shot in the dark, the thing that really responded to me is like the last half of that book. It's like one big horror action movie going on, you know, where he's running around and things are blowing up and all this stuff is happening. And Dave and Daniel have this really nice cinematic touch to them that they can draw action. They can do action and it looks so cool. And again, you feel like you're watching this really cool movie. And so I think, I don't know if we lucked out or if we did it on purpose, but by having them do the second one where there is a lot of action, where, you know, a lot of things blow up and there's, you know, again, tanks and motorcycles and things like that, you know, to have them do it when it feels so cinematic, it just, it really worked out so well. And it feels like their comic a lot more than it feels like our comic. Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, vice versa for yourself. Cause I mean, that's just kind of like, <laughs> you can see like when you, when you read the first book, you, you, you're in the Miskatonic high world, you know, mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're in the Lovecraft world uh, at mm -hmm. all, except for you get this, this cast from Lovecraft guy just showing up. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's kind of nice. You get, you get a little bit of taste of that, you know, but it's still stuck in their world. So it, you're fully invested into, you know, it being their universe. And I think that's, what's very important. And, and, the, and something that I think, I don't know if, I, I don't know if we, it, it was ever discussed or if, if, if Ryan or Daniel had thought about this, but I think just their own styles, you know, keeping it segregated like that um, really helped. I, I think it's good for the fans as well. So they can get a taste of what it's like in Miskatonic High and get a taste of what it's like in Lovecraft DI um, and be completely satisfied that they got exactly, you know, each half of, 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 um, of each of each IP, you know what I mean, and enjoying each one for you know, because they they definitely belong in each of the worlds, but they do work together as well. Yeah. So September 29th is the launch of the first Kickstarter for issue one. Yeah, both uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Oh, okay, so so they're going to be on both platforms. Awesome. Yep. Mm -hmm. What uh what type of rewards or tiers are going to be available for for our listeners to be able to to back? So again, we talked about it and when we were talking about it, almost treating the, the, the Kickstarters and the Indiegogo almost like the way we treat our individual ones. So again, this is a mis it feels more like a Miskatonic High issue. So we really treat it like almost like a Miskatonic High Kickstarter where, you know, we do a lot of the same things that, that our backers are sort of used to. We have a couple variant covers. We have a, a black and white, you know, noir issue where it's just pure black and white, which 
I, I kind of really love reading those because it brings out the horror part of it. Um, we have one that has a variant with a new cover um, by Ronald Kaiser. And, uh, man, you got to see this cover. This It's an amazing variant. Um, but what, he, what we did with that one was we took an old HP Lovecraft story and we cut it in half. And so it's kind of like reading an old copy of weird tales or something like that, you know, where, where you got a Lovecraft story in with the, with a Lovecraft comic. And so, um, you, you read the comic first and then you get the first, you know, half of this Lovecraft story, um, which is those things are always popular. Um, and then we have some personalized stuff. We have like a personalized bookmark that people who back can, can get with their name on it. Um, we have a challenge coin. So one half is 2018 for Miskatonic High and one half is 1932 for Lovecraft PI. Um, Venian, uh, who's one of our, 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 the cool artist who comes and works on our stuff is doing an old pulp version of the comic and has done <laughs> one of his crazy ass covers for it. And this thing is crazy. Uh, you, I forget. It. I can't even explain it. You got to see it to believe it. Um, and then we're also doing a couple of signed issues. So people who, you know, there's always people who really like getting issues signed. And so we have a set, you know, for people who want to get just those. So, yeah, so that we got a lot of different offerings on there for people who want, you know, everything from digital to print. So, you know, pretty much whatever you're looking for. And then we have catch up ones where if, you know, if, if you've read Miskatonic High, but you haven't read Lovecraft PI, you can, you can get the back issues for that. Or if you haven't read any of them, you can get all of the back issues. So, yeah, I mean, we got a lot of different reward levels. On there. Yeah. Anything else that, that I've uh, left out? Mm, nothing that I can think of. How about you, Dave? No, I can't think of anything offhand, no. no. Yeah, I mean, if you want, we can talk for another hour just about how great each other are. <laughs> <laughs> it never crossed my mind that it, was gonna, that it would happen or it should happen. But it's more like, uh, it's yeah, I, I see it, why it's happening. I see and I'm all for it. And I want to see how they they not only finish off the um, the, the story, but I want to see the artwork and all that for, for issue two. Now that um, I've had a chance to get a preview of, of this first uh, part of the of the story. Uh, so it's funny you say that. Again, it makes sense that people wouldn't necessarily put these two things together. And But I think one of the things that happened was – you know, the indie comic community is really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, creators talking to other creators, you know, helping each other out. It's it's very small scale. So you get to meet a lot of different people. And one of the things, you know, when we when I, when I met Dave and started talking to him was how cool these other creators are and how they're doing the same things that you're doing. And so it, it made perfect sense to sort of want to overlap these worlds where you want to get involved and you want to you know, when you read something really cool, like Curious Case of, of Reanimator, you want to be in that world. You want to work in that world. You want to do that world. And so, you know, having this small community of creators, it's really easy to go to them and say, hey, you know, look, why don't we start t- combining some of these Lovecraft comics, you know? Because, I mean, they, it makes sense. Well, that's what's kind of great, too. That's what's also great about the Lovecraft world is that it's so vast out there. and, and it has really, um, it has really gone above and beyond where it was even ten years ago with creators, you know, writing and or you know drawing comics and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of stuff out there, um, and with Kickstarter, 
it kind of brings the community together a little bit more, especially I think mm-hmm. more so now than ever, just because the way the comic book industry is, is a lot of creators are going to Kickstarter into Go-Go. And so you get to meet guys through there and, um, you know, that have, you know, similar ideas, you know, that want to play in the Lovecraft world. And if you can make it work like what we did together, I think it just, it, it helps expand um, that genre and that universe even more. I mean, you know, HP Lovecraft himself was very, keen and always having other folks pick up the Cthulhu mythos and, and uh, kind of run with, it. you never had a problem with that. And I, I think that's, what's really kind of cool is that after, you know, after his just celebrating his 130th birthday, that, you know, all these years later, creators are still doing that. We're still doing that. I mean, that's one of the things I strive for when um, creating a Lovecraft guy is to always keep the, um, the IP very malleable and organic and be able to let it breathe. So you never get confined into doing it just this way or just that way, because, you know, I think that kind of stunts creativity. And, and when Mike and Brian came along with, um, this Katonic high and seeing that and just seeing how, you know, their, their rabid fan base and how well they do on Kickstarter and, and how professional they are with getting stuff turned around and out there so quickly, you know, that's, that's impressive. You know, for two guys to do that is, is wicked impressive. And so, you know, for me, it's not even just the creative aspect of working with folks, but it's also their drive to keep it going and not, you know, get halfway through a project or even just barely start a project and then it just falls to the wayside because, you know, for whatever reason, you know, so to work with guys like that, that, you know, believe in all this stuff as much as, as much as I do and have that drive as much as I do and, and love the genre as much as I do, I think is pretty awesome. And, and, and to me, it's a lot more rewarding to work with folks like that. Um, and it also elevates the project too, you know. Well, guys, I want to say thank you very much for for agreeing to come on uh, to on the podcast. Because, like I said, it's honor to be able to uh, talk to you both of you all again after after we we did that first episode. But to know that you guys are actually working together and making this great great series, and to hear that it's not going to be just a one one off thing, and that you guys are planning to get together again, whether it be for the annual or another actual you know another uh, crossover event. I, I want I want to continue seeing these things and I want to continue catching up on on everything you all have. Thanks, Thanks Saul. That's so nice of you to say. So uh, and of course, if you all have anything else that in the meantime that that comes across, um, that, you know, anything horror related, just let us know and we'll be more than happy to have you guys all back on here on the on the podcast. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Thank you for having us on today. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I want to thank Dave and Mike, but I also want to thank everybody here for, for joining us and take, take a look at the, at the Kickstarter. Once it's, once it's live, I will go ahead and update the, the description of the episode to include that Kickstarter and uh, keep up to date with them and make sure that you guys back this uh, project and make sure, make sure it, um, it gets succeeds and always share it. That's the one thing that I, I want to be able to start making sure that I say in every episode, if you can't back it, at least share it that can get it to someone else that might be able to back it. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, man. We appreciate that. And also to Kickstarter, which Mike just uh, notified me with is that um, they have um, a pre-launch link now that you can click on. So you're notified the day or the morning, I should say that this thing launches. So that's actually mm-hmm. super helpful now, you know, for creators. Thank you everybody for joining us here on Nerds from the Crypt. We'll see you guys next time. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.